Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching from our lead pastor, Adam Scott. Thank you, thank you. We want to give it up for the moms. All the booger wiping, throw up, catching, boo-boo kissing moms that are in the room. We are so incredibly grateful for you. Hey, listen, one of the things that, that we did is, is in honor of Mother's Day, in honor of all of you that are here today, um, we as a church made a special donation to a local ministry. Um, we gave $1,000 to Caring Solutions, and uh, this great organization, Crisis Pregnancy Center, that is loving, serving, and caring for moms in this community. See, the resources and the relationships that are made available through this organization are taking people to Jesus, and we're excited that we have an opportunity to partner with them in ways like this. Hey, I want you to look them up so that you can follow their progress and see some of the things that they're working on, but I also want you to know that your giving through Northridge Christian Church is supporting organizations like this so that they can thrive and make a difference in the community and world. Hey, y'all give it up for the worship team today. I almost decided that I wasn't going to preach. I was just going to stay right there. They could keep going. Um, just redo the set again because I was getting into it. It was great this morning, and uh, we're, we're so grateful for what they're doing. Hey, listen, we're, we're in week three of a series that's, that's got us camped out in the book of Romans. And this series is all about living out the gospel. You see, we've talked about this throughout the series already, but some of the greatest revivals that have happened in the history of the church have happened because the church was camped out in this very book. And so what our hope and what our desire, what our prayer has been, is that as we as a church dive into this book, that God would spark a revival in this church. And God would spark a revival in this community and in this world because we're getting serious about God's word. So the past two weeks have been absolutely vital for setting up the series. You see, two weeks ago, Jonathan talked to us about the gospel. He introduced the gospel. He told us that we have a sin problem and that Jesus is the solution to that problem. Last week, John talked to us and, and he told us that because of Jesus, we have a new relationship with the law. And consequently, we have a new relationship with God. The past two weeks, man, they have just set us up. And throughout the rest of the series, we're going to be talking about some practical things that Paul gives us for how we can live out the gospel in our daily lives. But today, before we get to all of that, we're going to focus on what fuels our success. You see, there's, there's no reason to even get started in trying to live out the gospel until we know what it's going to take to win. Let me set it up this way. My, uh, my brothers and my dad and myself, we all got together one time uh, because we were going to help my granddad move some things out of his house. He had some large items and we were going to jump in. We were going to take care of it. No big deal. And so we got there early because, you know, we're great grandchildren and, and we were ready to go, uh, but we had a problem. Before we even got started, we had a problem. We had a truck, we had a trailer, but we couldn't get the two to play nice together. Okay, that ever happened to you? Like that electrical connection just would not work. And so we, we had to fix the problem before we could make any progress. 
One of my brothers, he, he knows a lot about cars, okay? He was carrying tools. I think they were in his boot or in his sock or something. I don't know where he was carrying them, but he pulled them out. He got on the ground and he started to fix what was wrong. My other brother, he knows a good bit about cars. And so he, he, uh, he went into the driver's seat. He knew somebody would need to crank the ignition. Somebody was gonna need to flick the turn signal up and down so that we could figure out if the problem had been fixed. And then there was me, okay? I don't know very much about cars. I can change your tire. I can replace your battery by going to AutoZone, but that's about all I can do. And so I, I put both hands on the trailer and I closed my eyes. My dad looked at me. He said, what in the world are you doing? And true story, I said this, I said, we all have a part to play in this. He fixes, he flicks, and I pray. And I want you to know, by the power of God, when I said amen, we were ready to go. Now listen, we all have gifts that we bring to the table, and I'm never going to rub it in my brother's faces that, that my gift is the one that brought about the real solution and got us to the finish line. But listen, that, that's a little bit ridiculous, but at the same time, when it comes to the important things that God has called us to do, not necessarily fixing the electrical connection between a, a truck and a trailer, but the really important things that he's called us to do, such as living out the gospel to a world that desperately needs to see it, our greatest contribution will always come when we invite the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. John 16, seven, and that Jesus says this to his disciples, he says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Think about that statement for just a second, okay? This is the savior of the world and he tells his disciples, it is for your benefit if I leave this world. Why? What could possibly be better than Jesus physically beside us? Well, he tells us, he says, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He says, listen, when I go away, when I physically depart this world, you will be empowered by the advocate. That is the Holy Spirit. As believers, as individuals who have placed our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ, we have a gift that is somehow better than the physical presence of Jesus beside us. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, always with us. On our own, we can only accomplish so much, but by his strength and by his power, we can do amazing things. See, he's the one who gives us strength and power. He's the one who guides our steps, and he is the one who paves the way to victory. Here's a sermon in the sentence. We live out the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. We live out the gospel. We live in a way that is different. We live in light of what Jesus has done for us only by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what our time together is gonna to focus on today. Today, we're gonna to camp out in Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. And I want you to know that throughout this chapter alone, Paul, the author of Romans, he, he references the Spirit 22 times. 22 times in this chapter alone. Why? Because it's only when we get crystal clear about the work of the Spirit that we can get crystal clear about our work and our contribution to the world. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. He says, those who live according to the flesh, and we need to understand what he means by flesh here. What he means is, is our sinful nature. nature. 
It's, it's our selfish ambitions. It's the corrupt things of the world. It's, it's anything that pulls us away from God. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. See, the very first thing that Paul teaches in this text is that we get to choose whether we're gonna be governed by the spirit or whether we're going to be governed by the flesh. He says one of those leads to life and it leads to peace, but one of them leads to separation from God. One overcomes and outperforms the promise and pull of the things of this world, and one of them leads to disappointment and destruction. But even though God wants what's best for us, he allows us to make the choice. He doesn't force himself on anyone. We can choose to embrace him or we can choose to walk away. Here's the first application from this text and and it's obviously for the person that has never made that choice. It's the person who may be dipping their toes in the water of church but they've never had a moment where they said, I'm all in to Jesus. Listen, as a church, we're booming with young families right now. Have you noticed that? Okay, none of you. That's good. But I have noticed because I've been watching, okay? And, and what I've heard is that our children's ministry hallways are getting crowded and we can't hardly get people down those hallways because there's so many people. And this is, this is exciting. This is, this is a cool thing to be a part of. You see, there's young people, young parents that want to raise their children in church. There's young parents who are, who are craving community and they're interested in what the Bible has to say. But let me tell you something. Without a choice to follow Jesus, church attendance will never produce change in you or your family. Let me say that again. Without a choice to follow Jesus, church attendance will never produce change in you or your family. Listen, I believe in this worship service. I spend a lot of my week investing in this worship service. I believe in our children's ministry and our student ministry more than anybody else in this room. But I want you to know that what your children need to see even more than an age-appropriate lesson is life transformation in you. Man, and that only happens when we say, I am all in to Jesus. Listen, if you can't remember a time where you made that decision, where you said, this isn't about my parents' faith, this, this isn't about my upbringing in church, this is my choice and my decision to surrender my life to Jesus, man, today is the day that you need to make a personal choice. But let me tell you something, Paul is not just talking to those of us who have never made a decision to follow Jesus. You see, he goes a little bit farther with this and he starts stepping on all of our toes. This is what it says in verses 12 through 13. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters. Okay, brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who have already made that decision to surrender their life to Jesus. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. See, this is what he says. He says, as believers, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. But even though the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, we are not automatically transformed into people who never sin. 
We are not automatically transformed into people who never struggle or waver in our commitment. This is what he's declaring in this passage. Growth and maturity is a process that is guided by the Holy Spirit for the rest of our lives. You see, as believers, we have an obligation. We have a responsibility to lean more and more into the Spirit and more and more away from the world. See, the power of the Holy Spirit is only fully realized in those who continue to let him change their lives for the rest of their lives. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Gospel living, okay, living in light of what Jesus has done for us, it requires spiritual governance. It requires spiritual governance. Every choice we make will either strengthen our dependence on the Spirit or strengthen our dependence on the world. Every decision that we make will either amplify the voice of the Spirit or amplify the draw of the world. See, God gives us an opportunity to choose Him, not just once, but every single day. See, when we wake up in the morning, we have a choice. Do we wanna spend a little bit of time prioritizing God's word or do we wanna rush off to the things of the world? We have an opportunity every single time we go to the Lakeview Academy drop-off line and somebody tries to bypass the line because they think the world revolves around them. This may be a little bit more about me than it is about you. My daughter and I are working through this one together. But we have an opportunity. Are we gonna surrender to God or are we gonna surrender to our anger? When facing discouragement, will we seek his guidance or will we seek something unhealthy to numb the pain? Every single choice matters. Every choice either drives us to God or from God. Listen, there's an old story. It's been used in sermons for years. You've probably heard it. But it's about a man who's talking to his grandson and he tells him, he says, listen, grandson, there are two wolves living inside of us all. One is evil, it's anger, jealousy, greed, resentment, inferiority, lies, and ego. The other is good, it is joy, peace, love, hope, humility, kindness, empathy, and truth. The boy thought about this for a little while. He absorbed it and he finally asked, he said, grandpa, which wolf wins? And the grandfather looked at him and smiled. He said, it's the one that you feed. Listen, the question we've got to ask ourselves daily is, are we feeding the Holy Spirit by leaning more and more into him? Are we starving the world's pool by leaning farther and farther away from it? Because that's the first step in gospel living. Let's see how Paul adds to this conversation. Verses 22 through 25 says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as if in the pains of childbirth, Man, how perfect for Mother's Day, right? I started working through this and I read that and just pretend like I did it on purpose because it's perfect. This is the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who, who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Listen, Paul compares our current situation with the pains of childbirth. He says that the whole creation is in labor pains, groaning for God's new world to be born. 
This isn't an audible groan, but it's an internal longing for what is to come. In other words, what he's saying is that this world is not as it should be. See, in this world, there's war, and there's hunger, and there's sickness, and there's death. In this world, there is pain, and there is hardship, there is abuse, and there is corruption. Man, I'll be honest with you, some days it feels like God is losing ground in our world. On top of all of that, the two most important, I mean, the two most prominent things out about the church right now are a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill and a TV series called Hillsong, a mega church exposed. Listen, both of these things highlight the corruption, abuse, and brokenness of the church. And as believers, we are grieved to admit that even the church is not as it should be. But what Paul says is the Holy Spirit inside of us reminds us that we are not at our destination yet. And something better is coming. You see, we live between justification and glorification. We live between the forgiveness of Jesus and God's transformation of the world. We live between the world's present pain and God's future glory. And as believers, we don't have to overlook or explain away the pain of the world. Our calling as believers is to prayerfully, by the power of the Holy Spirit, radiate hope in the middle of it all. Write this down. Gospel living radiates hope. Living in a way that is different because of what Jesus has done for us, it radiates hope to a world that desperately needs to see it. You see, the world doesn't know what's coming next, but we do. The Holy Spirit reminds us that in the most difficult moments, God is going to work all things for good. There is a timestamp for suffering and pain. There is a deadline for difficulties, and our hope in that truth is what proclaims the gospel to the world around us. Let me try and explain this with stomach cramps, okay? I can make an illustration out of anything, okay? The other day, my son's stomach was hurting and, and he was crying out in pain. I mean, I mean, like, it was bad. I had to leave the house, okay, because I'm not very compassionate. But he was screaming out. He was hurting and he was miserable. And, and the last time I heard somebody cry out in that much pain, it was my wife when she was giving birth to him. But in that moment, my son was suffering because there was no explanation, there was no destination, there was no purpose when my wife cried out in that same way, she did so differently because there was an explanation. There was a destination. There was a purpose. You see, she was empowered because of the joy of the hope of what was about to come. One was walking through pain senselessly, and one was walking through pain with a purpose, and that made all the difference in how they responded to it. Listen, that's our responsibility as believers. It's, it's how we're supposed to live our lives. It's what this text is talking about. The key to gospel living is living with hope. It's recognizing that our momentary pain and grief can be overcome by the joy of what's coming. The more we lean into the spirit, the more full of hope we will become and the more God will use our presence to transform the lives of the people around us. Gospel living always radiates hope. Let's jump back into the text one more time so that we can wrap a bow around all of this. Verses 26 through 28, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. 
And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, what this says is that it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live victoriously ever since. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can radiate hope to a world that needs to see it. It says, even when our hearts are burdened and troubled, even when we can't put words together to pray and cry out to God, the Spirit overcomes our weakness. He makes us strong. He intercedes on our behalf. He holds the key to success. Write this down. Gospel living depends on the Spirit. It's not about us and what we bring to the table. It's about how much we lean into him and what he brings to the table. Do we have any baseball fans in the room? Anybody? Okay, anybody stay up last night and watch the strike them out, throw them out? Oh man, it was a good day for Braves fans yesterday. Let me tell you something. I, I recognized when I was putting this together that, that talking about the Braves in a sermon on Mother's Day probably wasn't a good idea, but I was told if I showed a picture of Austin Riley, it would be okay. I don't really know what that means. I think he and I look a lot alike. But there you go, that's the picture. Listen, one of the most important pieces of equipment for, for, for a baseball player is, is their glove, right? I mean, that, that's an important piece of equipment. I was at the store the other day looking because my son plays baseball and I was glancing at all the gloves and they go anywhere from $20 to, to $400 or more. But regardless of how expensive the glove is, there is nothing special about the glove. See, if you were to take that glove and you were to throw it down into the grass, it's never gonna make a big play. It's never gonna accomplish something great. The only time that it's gonna do anything great is when you slip it on the hand of somebody like Austin Riley who knows what to do with it. In other words, you would be better off with my son's glove on Austin Riley's hand than Austin Riley's glove on my son's hand. Listen, in the same way, the Holy Spirit is the strength that empowers our success. On our own, we're just a glove in the grass. We are weak and we are incapable, we are inferior, but with him living and working in us, there is nothing that we cannot do. Listen, this, this series is all about living out the gospel. I'm excited about where we're going next with this. But listen, if you're anything like me, you have probably um, tried before to live out the gospel and you've probably failed. Maybe you've thought things like this, I, I want people to see Jesus in me, but for some stinking reason, I just keep letting them down. Maybe you've said, I wanna trust Jesus even when this happens in my life, but you just keep messing it up. Maybe you've said, I, I wanna show love and I wanna show forgiveness like God has shown me, but for some reason, I can't get it right. Listen, the problem in all of that is what happens after the comma. It's when you say, but I. See, we're the glove, he's the talent. When we trust ourselves, we're doomed to be disappointed, but when we trust in God, we're destined to live out our calling victoriously. Let's take a look at that sermon in a sentence one more time. We live out the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. Revival starts when we lean into and trust him. Revival starts when we as a church get serious about this and say, I'm not just gonna try harder. I'm not just gonna do more. I'm not just gonna wake up earlier and make myself do it. I'm gonna lean into the spirit and I'm gonna let the spirit work in and through me. Listen, at the beginning of the message, I told you that Jesus told his disciples that it was for their good that he would leave so that the Holy Spirit could come. 
What happened after that was even more amazing because, because Jesus gives them the task of reaching the entire world. He, he gives them the great commission. He says, there's people dying separated from me and you need to fulfill your mission to go and save them to go insert me into the equation, to go preach the gospel and let them know that I have done an amazing thing for them. But what he says is this. He says, don't even lift a finger towards that mission until the Holy Spirit comes into you. That's amazing. He says, let them die. Let them be separated for a season. He says, because you can't accomplish anything on your own. You need the Spirit's work. You need the Spirit's power. Listen, right now we have a mission we believe that God has called this church to amazing things. We believe that God is working in and through us in a powerful way. We believe we're making a difference where we live, work, and play. But let me tell you something, we can't get sidetracked and believe it's all about us. We've gotta reach a point where we say, until the Holy Spirit's moving, I'm staying still. Until the Holy Spirit's guiding, I'm not taking a step. Until the Spirit's presence is in my life, I recognize I can't do anything. It's all about him. Our responsibility right here in this moment is to call out to him and say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my life. Holy Spirit, I wanna see you at work in me. I want you to guide me, lead me, send me into the world so that through your power, I can make a difference. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, Sometimes we get sidetracked and think it's all about us. Sometimes we think that if we just do more for you that there's gonna be amazing results. Sometimes we think if we're just smarter and better and learn a little bit more, gain a new ability that, that we're gonna be able to unleash your power in the world. But God, we're so comforted to know that that responsibility is not on our shoulders. Our responsibility is to lean into the Spirit and to trust that the Spirit is gonna work in and through us. Lord, when we're, we're, uh, when we're weak, when we don't have what it takes, God, when we lack motivation, when we lack a skill set, Lord, I pray that you send the Holy Spirit in this place in a powerful way so that we could be empowered to make a difference in this world. Lord, don't let us just become a church that sings songs on Sunday morning. Fill us with your spirit so that we can go out into the world and do what you've called us to do, to proclaim the gospel, to live our lives in a way that brings glory and honor to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.